Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the National Community Radio Network. Today's program was produced on Willyakali country of the Barkindji Nation, with interviews collected across stolen lands. I'd like to pay respects to the traditional owners and their elders past and present, and to any First Nations people tuning into this broadcast. I'm Megan Williams. On May 23, Victoria made a big announcement. All native timber harvesting in the state will end on January 1, 2024. So today on Earth Matters, we'll hear from a campaigner at the Goongarra Environment Centre about what this means for Victorian forests. Following on, we'll hear from the Sea Shepherd on a recent rescue of a whale entangled in a shark net in Queensland. And later in the show, we'll hear from Barkindji Malinyapa musician Leroy Johnson about the massive fish kills in Menindee and the new song he's written in response. This is Isaac Anel, campaigner at the Goongarra Environment Centre. Just to start us off, could you give us uh, a brief description of the Goongarra Environment Centre and, you know, it's it's like the longevity of its connection in yeah. fighting for forests? So GECA or Goongarra Environment Centre uh, has been around for 30 years, actually. This year is the 30th anniversary and it started in a small uh, village, a small uh, valley in Far East Gippsland in Victoria. And uh, it's a remote area that's one hour away from uh, the closest town with uh, services. And it started because of the forests that uh, that are around it and, and especially forests around the Arinandra Plateau and uh, also the forests of Quark and, and Golongok. Um, and it started uh, because of the logging that uh, uh, had happened uh, there from you know, let's say late, uh, late 60s, and a group of people just decided to um, have a festival there one, one summer. And from that festival, Gecko was uh, established in a, in a property in, in Gungara. And since then, there's been many uh, blockades, uh, direct action, uh, many uh, different ways of uh, trying to stop the destruction of native forests. And the Victorian government recently made a big announcement about the future of logging of native forests in Victoria. Could you tell us about that? So the Victorian government announced in 2019 that it was going to end native forest logging in Victoria by 2030. A couple of weeks ago, the Victorian government brought that date forward to 2024. That's the 1st of January next year um which of course it's it's amazing news and and it's something that uh us from gecko and all the other uh environment groups that have been fighting for that day to be brought forward you know we're very happy uh with that announcement uh and but that announcement didn't come just uh without without sweat and and tears from you know, many years of campaigning and uh, especially around uh, East Gippsland, the 2019-2020 bushfires uh, pretty much devastated 
80% of the forests of East Gippsland. So since those um, horrible bushfires, we strongly campaign for that date to be brought forward. Uh, there's been also since that announcement and since the bushfires, uh, there's been several court cases against Big Forest, which is the publicly owned agency that uh, locks the forests in in Victoria. Uh, that those court cases have, all of them have been against uh, Big Forest in in the last couple of years, and uh, effectively since November last year, uh, there was this judgment in Victoria that. Uh, pretty much paralyzed uh, any sort of uh, or most of logging in in the whole state so i think that um you know we've had to we've had to uh, bring the the state government kicking and screaming to this decision but i think it's the accumulation of uh, of all these factors that um it, it just it made it inevitable uh that 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 date was brought forward yeah and could you tell us about that court case? Yeah, so that that the court case that um, that had the the biggest impact was a court case that was brought by Environment East Gippsland and King Lake Friends of the Forest. And without knowing all the ins and outs of the court case, I'm not a legal expert, but um, uh, the judgment. What it said is that uh, Vic Forest wasn't doing proper surveying for threatened species, particularly for greater gliders and yellow belly gliders in the areas where it logged, and that it had to completely redo the way that it was surveying those areas to properly assess the, uh, you know, the the damage that it could be doing, and um, effectively that uh, stopped the logging in all the areas in. In Victoria, that Big Forest was, um, you know, was getting contractors in because they had to uh, redo all their surveying techniques, and we know that they were doing that. They were um, sort of introducing drone technology and and some other techniques, but effectively, what it meant is that they had to survey the whole area, whereas in the past they only did uh, just a small section of that area, and then they just kind of, you know, that sort of validated uh, the surveying. Um, so I guess in a way, uh, yeah, the, the judgment just made them uh, follow the rules in a way that they hadn't been doing for, for many, many, many years. And, you know, you said that that kind of really, um, really halted logging operations across Victoria, you know, with this announcement coming recently and the date being brought forward to the 1st of January next year, is there much logging going to take place in the next six months? Well, there's always, I think, the risk when a decision like this is is taken is that um, they might want to log as much as they can until, until that date. Um, so... We have already heard reports of some, you know, rod works in some areas um, south of Gippsland that might indicate that some logging might happen. Um, this this date is still six months away, um, and they had been developing this new surveying technique, so it's possible that they might want to 
lock some areas uh, until the 1st of January. So I think that the work doesn't doesn't really stop. And even beyond 2024, the work doesn't stop because we've we've seen in the last uh, few years as well um, where the industry is shifting. And I think we'll just have to to pivot with this decision to kind of uh, focus in this in these other areas. Um, and and yeah, I think that's that's what we what we will be doing from well, we've been doing it already. And I think that uh, really what this decision uh, does is that uh, we have stopped the major damage, but it doesn't mean that um, uh, there's not going to be work to do from the 1st of January next year. Yes, uh, it is a never-ending struggle to uh, protect what remains of native forests. Uh, and do you have any, um, you know, messages for forest campaigners who might be listening across the country? Oh, what would I say? I think in, in my personal experience, I think for me, I got involved when I moved in, in, into Goonga in East Gippsland and it was just after the, the bushfires and just seeing like the devastation of those fires and then how logging was restarting without any consideration of, of the impact that those fires had uh, on the forest was what really activated me. And any, I, I guess any forest defender will be able to to relate to the, the feeling of empowerment when you when you're taking direct action and you're putting your body in the in the front line and you see that there's a community and there's people behind you and and sometimes you might be in in the forest and uh, there might be just a few of you in there but um, then somebody from the near town just comes and drops some um, hot soup or or, or just pays a visit and, and it kind of makes you uh, or, or it reminds you that there's uh, many people around your community but also around the country that uh, is there to support you and uh, I think that sometimes like when you think that uh, that it's a hard slog and it's all going up I think that uh, it's important to remember that and that um, you know the the kind of the the sun or the <laughs> the 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 victory might be just around the corner. You just need to keep pushing and and also just try to um, I guess support all the other people and that are in the struggle um, and and be able to to take a step back as well when you when you feel you're you kind of uh, nearing a breaking point. But um, for me personally, just um, those moments where I I noticed that. The support was from from far beyond and from people all across all across the country. Um, those those were the moments that kind of uh, helped me to keep going. And for people out there that want to support the Goonga Environment Centre, where can they go? Well, Gecko Gecko has got a, a website, of course, gecko.org.au, and um, this year is also the thirtieth anniversary of Gecko, so we're planning. We were planning before the announcement uh, a big celebration in Gungara uh, in December, which is the from the 1st to the 3rd of December. And now with this announcement, it's also like <laughs> it, it, uh, it adds the, the end of uh, 
clear for logging in in Victoria, the end of uh, logging in native forests. So I think the the party just just got uh, a little bigger. So for anyone around Victoria, but also anyone uh, over the border or around the country that uh, that wants to come and celebrate and also um, kind of get together with other activists or have been part of the history of Gecko, that's I think that's the place where we'll be able to to share and uh, commemorate as well. 30 years of forest activism that I think it's it's the party that that we've all wanted to to host one day and to to be in it to be in it so I think that's uh yeah I guess that's uh um a, you know a beautiful a beautiful way to celebrate 30 years and at the same time celebrate uh the end of native forest logging in Victoria Excellent. Well, I might see you down there. And thank you so much for joining us on Earth Matters. Thank you very much for having us. You're tuned to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. That was Isaac Arnell, campaigner for the Goongra Environment Centre. Now, from forest victories to ocean fails. Whale migration season on the East Coast has only just begun but already a rescue mission to save a whale trapped in Queensland's shark nets has taken place. Lauren Sandman, campaigner for the Sea Shepherd, joins us to tell us about it. So whale migration season has just started uh, and this week the Sea Shepherd has put out some news that there was a whale entangled um, in Queensland. Could you tell me the story about that? Yeah, absolutely. So not even one week into the start of whale migration, we've had our first entanglement at Mermaid Beach on the Gold Coast on Sunday night. Now a sub-adult became entangled on the Mermaid Beach shark net um, early in the evening and it wasn't rescued until around 12 hours later uh, or following on Tuesday morning when it was able to be released from the shark meshing net. And tell me about these shark nets. Are they permanently set up? So unfortunately, they are. They are shark nets are about 124 to 186 meter long fishing nets that are deployed throughout uh, Queensland and also used in New South Wales um, as an outdated and ineffective form of shark mitigation. So shark nets are designed to entangle pretty much anything that swims into it. And in Queensland, they're actually paired with a target list where seven species of shark, if they're caught alive by contractors, are killed on site and dumped out to sea. So it's an incredibly outdated form of shark mitigation designed in the 1930s as a form of bather protection. Now, New South Wales deploys around 51 shark nets. However, they take their nets out during whale migration season from the start of May to the start of September, specifically to prevent whale entanglements from occurring. They've done so since the 1980s. Now, Queensland, they keep their 27 shark nets in year round. And as a consequence, we see whale entanglements consistently happening up in Queensland um, throughout, this, throughout the whale migration season. And unfortunately, those numbers are increasing each season. And the whales um, that get entangled, so this one was rescued. Who is it that goes out and rescues them and how often are rescues necessary? Well, they're necessary um, for every single time a whale becomes entangled, essentially. Now, that can vary from weeks apart historically to even days apart. So last year we had uh, a whale caught up in the Kira Beach shark net that was released, and then two days later a whole different whale was caught in that exact same net that had been reset after the whale was released. So these events can occur back-to-back, 
we can have whales caught simultaneously in the, in the same net. We see often that baby calves get caught in the nets and then their mothers become entangled trying to free the animal, to, trying to free their child from the nets as well. So each rescue operation is different and variable, uh, but they can be quite continuous. So because in Queensland they have an exclusion zone around all forms of shark control equipment, so no one from the member, no members of the public are allowed within 20 metres um, of shark nets or drum lines, and that's been installed since 2019. So they have a volunteer rescue, rescue release team run by the Department of Fisheries, as well as a rescue team from SeaWorld, and they partner up to do joint rescue efforts. Now, these rescue efforts are quite tedious um, and can be hours, if not days, long. And whales are, of course, mammals that need to come to the surface to breathe. Do these nets risk suffocating whales? Absolutely. Unfortunately, we have seen whales have been killed uh, in shark nets historically. And unfortunately, even once a whale has been released, there's actually no way of knowing whether or not they actually survive the rest of the whale migration season because of this event. So as air-breathing mammals, whales have the same drowning response as humans, and these nets hold them down underwater so they have to continuously fight to the surface to breathe, uh, to try and breathe until they're released. Now, as I said before, uh, these events can last hours and the one on on Tuesday lasted 12 hours. That's 12 hours of a young whale fighting for its life and fighting to breathe. Now, on the whale migration routes, whales have very limited energy stores to make the whole trek up north and return back to Antarctica to feed. So an unfortunate reality of this is that although this whale did not die in the nets immediately. It may not actually have enough energy reserves as a result of this event to actually make it back to Antarctica. Right. And so is the Sea Shepherd calling for anything in particular to, to protect these whales? At minimum, Sea Shepherd's calling for the Queensland government to immediately remove shark nets during whale migration season as a starting point. As I said before, New South Wales has done this since the 1980s. So Queensland is 40 years behind New South Wales and actually doing the bare minimum to prevent these entanglements from occurring. And as we said, we're going to keep seeing these entanglements happen again and again and again until the Queensland government commits to remove shark nets during whale migration season. The fact that they continue to use shark nets and refuse to remove them during whale migration season is categorically indefensible. And if people want to help support the work of protecting these whales, what can they do? I advise people to follow um, Sea Shepherd on our social channels as we'll keep people up to date um, on these events as they occur and direct people to where they can go to make change happen. But first and foremost, for people, if they want to help stop these events from happening, we need to put pressure on the minister responsible that keeps the shark nets in the water. Now, because the shark nets is a fishing program, it's run by the agricultural minister, Mark Ferner, for Queensland. And so I direct everyone, to, if they want to see shark nets removed, to use their voice and to email the minister directly demanding change and to demand that the Queensland government commits to removing these killing devices during the whale migration season. Great. Well, Lauren Sanderman, thank you very much for joining us on Earth Matters. Well, thank you very much for having me. From saltwater to the inland sea. Menindi's recent mass fish kill left community reeling over the loss of millions of fish. And for Barkindji Malinyapa musician Lero Johnson, seeing his totem, the bony brim, perish in the millions, hit home. He's speaking with 2Dry FM's Dan Schultz about a new song he's written in response. 
I'm in the studio with uh, Barkanji Meliangapa musician uh, Leroy Johnson. Thanks for joining us, Leroy. No worries, but thanks for having me. And uh, we've been covering the recent fish kills out of Menindi. And yeah, I've been reading your stuff. It's good. Yeah, th- th- thanks. It's um, it's been a really big and very catastrophic event. Mm-hmm. Um, and often those little bony brim get forgotten in in the story. They sort of a bit blamed for it, I guess, for being sensitive to water quality changes. But you have a pretty deep connection to that that little fish. Could you tell us a little bit about your connection to the yeah, bony brim? Well, that's my um. My my totem, so it was my mother's totem, um, her mother's totem and her mother's totem. Um, so we call we call him um, Namba. Yeah, so that's um, a personal connection that I have with those fish here. Mm. And you've just written a song, um, pretty pretty fresh out of out of your uh, your connection to that fish and what happened out at Menindee? Yeah, um, it was when when you seen the river and all those fish dying, it was pretty confronting um, and very sad. So um, can, I was asking, um, I knew the word Namba and Buka, which is, means dead. Um, so I had all them Namba, Buka, mm. all them bony dead um, in the river. And I sort of just wanted to write a song so someone could remember those fish mm. um, and do it. And this is the first song I've written in all Barkindji language or Bolko. Um, so it was, yeah, it's pretty, pretty special. It's a lament to those fish, you know, for those fish. Mm. And there's there's a few other words in there. You've got the Namba Book. Namba Book is what it's called. Um, that means bony brim dead. Mm. Um, then there's <clears throat> the second part of it is Namaka Berengalatu, um, which means mother she is crying. Mm. Um, and then let's say you'll hear me sing Kalpi Nuku Bukali, which means Kalpi Nuku is fresh water. And Bukali is rotten. Mm. Yeah, and pretty much that's the song. Those mm. those three lines, but I repeat them a bit, and and just so repeat them to get the importance of it. And mm. yeah, this simple story it's, it sells it all. Well, really, yeah, it's just the truth. You know, it's um, those fish are dead. That water's rotten. Um, and our mother cries, and I think I say mother because Mother Earth. Um, but also I imagine our people years, um, before whitefellas come here, if they would have come across something like that, that would have been like the end of the world, you know, mm. something very bad is happening. Mm. And then I sort of thought, how could they express seeing something like that? And I think this song, for me anyway, expresses the feeling mm. um, that I had and I'm sure a lot of other Barkindji mob had, even non-Indigenous people have seen something like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think the song captures it perfectly, so let's have a listen. Yeah, no worries. Um, it's called Naba Buka.
On 3CR and around Australia on the Community Radio Network, you're listening to Earth Matters. Today on the program, we heard from Izek Arnell, campaigner for the Goongra Environment Centre, Lauren Sanderman, campaigner for Sea Shepherd, and Leroy Johnson, Barkanji Melanyapa musician with his new song, Namba Buka. And my name is Megan Williams. I'd like to say thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting this program out to you. If you want to listen back, you can go to 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters or search Earth Matters 3CR wherever you get your podcast. Earth Matters is a production of 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, but today's episode was produced in the studios of 2Dry FM in Broken Hill on Willie Carly Country. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time for more Earth Matters. Ah!